This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for What in the World with Paul Siebert and his sidekick, John Donalo, brought to you by Yes, I Can Coaching, and you can yes. find us online. So, we're not going to talk about <laughs> coaching <laughs> right find now. Us, no, wait no. a minute. You'll find us online at NewClevelandRadio.net. Oh. Let's well thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Karen, I know a coach who could help you remember those kinds of things. Do you really? Yeah, I'll send you her link. <laughs> I'll send you her link <laughs> when the show is oh, over. Hey everybody. We've already gone off the track here at uh, I'm, I was about to say at NuclearRadio.net, but at what in the world? Everybody's favorite weird news show. Yeah, it's me, Paul Sieber, your host. And 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 who knows what else? Source of all things strange for uh, what in the world? Real news, sometimes strange, always funny. That's our motto. Uh, that voice you just had in your ear is uh, Karen Hale, our media mogul, um, the uh, co-host of Nuclear of uh, What in the World. <clears throat> Let's see what else is she? She does. Oh, she's the <laughs> she is the Karen in Yes I Can by Karen. Um, <laughs> And, and our, our gracious uh, uh, sponsor for the show. Uh, let's see, what else do you do? She's got all kinds of podcasts on nucleumradio.net. So go there. She obviously doesn't, but you guys need to go there and check out everything that she had um, and, and find out all the places where you can download us into your ear or on YouTube. Don't forget YouTube because we have a bunch of uh, photos that we'll be showing today and yeah also you can look back at all the previous episodes and see all the other fun stuff we talked about and the third element of that we the third leg on the stool and i don't mean that in the terms that you might think is none other than john Danalo. john hey how are you doing today i'm doing well paul and karen and audience um obviously i was celebrating michigan's big 10 championship uh, over the vaunted uh, Iowa Hawkeyes, and now Michigan will be playing Alabama in the first round of the college football championship series. Much to the chagrin of Ohio State fans, and I think other Big Ten fans, and uh, also maybe to the chagrin of people that are trying to be more on the up and up, because obviously the Michigan program here has come under scrutiny because of Admitting cheating. because of cheating. I'll fill in the blank because of cheating. <laughs> but as the old expression goes, you know this, you can't change someone's mind once it is made up. The, you and better believe it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Politics and sports. That's and, right. and I think and I think when it comes to Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan football team, uh, there's a lot of people that have already preconceived notions and ideas about them. And, uh, you know, you're not going to change their outlook on that. I'm not going to. My brother and I had a, an engaging conversation about the ethics behind it. And I did acknowledge it's wrong. It is clearly <laughs> wrong. But uh, There's no, nothing funnier than listening to two brothers, one who's an Ohio State fan and one who's a Michigan fan, go at each other. I have witnessed it. And uh, John's brother, Bob, God bless him. It's, it's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. But we're not going to talk about it. We've yeah, got we're, yeah, we're getting off track here. We're getting off track. <laughs> yes, right. We've, John, by the way, has a great weird sport for us this week at the end of the show. So good reason to stick around. Also, he's our color commentator. And he will be commenting on many of the great stories that we have today, which I'm going to talk about right now. So let's, oh, by the way, if I sound like I'm squinting, it's because I went to the eye doctor today and I've got and I got eye drops in my ear and I'm my vision is still somewhat blurry. So if you if you hear me straining to see you, that's why. But you don't <laughs> sound like you're squinting. You may look like you're squinting. Uh, Karen, our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh. They're, okay. <laughs> no, they'll pick up on it. They'll pick up on they'll it. They'll pick up on it. That's right. So what, what are we going to be talking about today uh, on Wednesday? Wednesday. This is uh, our odd day this week. Um, let's see. Oh, the world's most expensive Coke can. Oh, wait till you see this. This is a great one. The right way to eat Pringles. I know one of the three of us is a big fan of Pringles, so he will be interested in this. Uh, <laughs> the uh, This is another good one. The Feast of St. Pancake in the Netherlands. We're going to be talking about the Feast of St. Pancake. I never heard of St. Pancake. I know John hasn't. We're going to find out about that. Um, 
the secret to long life from a lady who lives who is currently 115 years old in Brazil. So we're going to find out her secret to long life. Some good and bad uh, Christmas gift ideas or whatever holiday you plan to celebrate over the next month. Uh, hair down to there and beyond on a lady in India. Boy, wait till you see this, uh, this lady. Uh, why chicken comes in a bucket. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I've got a couple of chicken stories. And uh, uh, so we're going to talk about that. Plus uh, more odd news. We've got trivia. John's got a great sport. And then, of course, at the end, we play everybody's favorite weird news game, Bluff the Co-host. So let's get right to it with our first story. I will warn you ahead of time. We'll check our time here. If um, if you're not hungry right now, you at the end of the I've got a lot of food stories here, as, as you may have heard. Something even more than Pringles. We're going to start right off with one right now. Um, okay, the, this is the Coke can. So a limited edition, um, Christmas edition Coca-Cola can is on sale on eBay for the incredibly low price of, get ready, $347,000. Now, Why? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, just like we, we rehearsed at the uh, <laughs> in rehearsal. Uh, why would anyone pay, why would anyone ask for $347,000? And why would an auction house expect someone to actually pay that? Let's take a look at the uh, can in question here. Uh, looks like a fairly ordinary Coca-Cola can right there with, uh, of course, it's at the Christmas theme. So it says Christmas on it somewhere. It's red. Uh, mm -hmm. But Coke cans are all already red. Uh, believe it or not, it is not full. In fact, it's empty. Yeah, this particular can is empty and unopened as a result of a, a mistake at the factory where they fill Coke cans. I don't know where that's at, but uh, so now, Karen, here's why it's worth so much because an empty can of Coke is healthier than a full can of Coke. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> why why is it why why $347,000? It's because it it is a mistake and and it's empty instead of being full. No one opened the bottom. So that's that's why they're asking $347,000 for it. I'm just wondering if this would work for some other products that uh, you know that that you you find empty when they're really supposed to be full because I know a place where I can get a bunch of empty Starbucks cups and we could sell these on the air um, <clears throat> with the tops on them, empty Starbucks cup. For a, a full Starbucks cup is already five bucks. So, you know, we could ask for 10, 15 um, to help John with his retirement there. Hey, you know what? Hey, I'll take any kind of uh, assistance, of course. Come on. No, I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand. This can is on sale for $347,000. Right. Yeah. I just put a TV out, brand new, in a box, never for $50. And wow. nobody's bidding on it. So, hey, no, guys, I'm going to raise the price. Yeah, wow. yeah. You should have said that it's an empty. It's an empty TV box. And then they would Probably. like, that's yeah. the strategy. Beck, I this happened to me. I went to a movie theater and a guy tried to sell me a big empty plastic bag. He told me that it was air pop popcorn. Um, and, and, you know, so to, that I got the air part of the pop. Um, oh, you, know. you were not going to be duped over there, Paul. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, John, fortunately, I learned from you. I saved the receipt. So I was able to go back and oh, get my money. That, that's a Danilo trade from that's you. Right. I always save the receipt. Paul, I'm that's just right. quick here. So, John, so speaking of <laughs> speaking of John, do you have any memorabilia like this? Any sports things that that were mistakes that you've collected? You know, let me maybe the bobblehead with no head. You know, I, <laughs> no, I'm going to say that all my bobbleheads, unfortunately for me, uh, maybe to an chagrin, is uh, they're intact. You know, so <laughs> but but you know what? I'm just curious. How does they, like Karen was saying, how do they arrive at 347000 I mean, are there other products that don't deliver what they're supposed to deliver that really command that kind of money? I mean, it, it, seems, it seems incredible to me. 
I, it is incredible. It's it's the power of social media. I guess I I don't know how else to to explain it. It didn't Nobody's say. Nobody's bought it yet. No one has bought it yet. That's correct. So so I think well, it's okay. Right. There's yeah. there, there's a value to that of some some kind of value. I'm not sure if it's a dollar value, but it's a value. Wow. <laughs> Three hundred forty-seven thousand or best offer, I guess, yeah, would be. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, John, you could, you know, maybe you, if you got an autographed wiffle ball instead of a baseball, you know, it'd be empty, um, and you could sell that, you know, an empty, empty baseball autographed by. I'll autograph it. Maybe we can sell. It. Okay, <laughs> let's move on from this one. That's what... <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's move on to something that John is much more interested in, and that is Pringles. Oh, okay. yes. <clears throat> so according to a new article, most people, and this is you, John, are eating Pringles the wrong way. Now, here's here's this is uh, here's a um, uh, this is from the, the, the article. It says, uh, do you know that there's a correct way to eat Pringles is the question. And there's a there's a container of Pringles right there. Um, so I always thought that the right way to eat Pringles was to stack them so that they're one chip higher than the the uh, the widest you can open your mouth and then you try <laughs> to cram it in and set a record that's the way i've seen john eat them so uh, well, I, I agree <laughs> i agree paul i mean it's conventional right but um right. i mean do, i'm i'm interested in hearing what is the correct way cuz obviously well, let me ask you that if you eat one pringle I, this is hypothetical, of course. <laughs> yes, it is. If you were to eat a single Pringle, would you would you eat it with the curve up so that it matched your tongue, or would you eat it with the curve down so that it the bulge was was resting in the top of your mouth? If that I, makes sense, yeah, no, it makes sense. Confidently, I always eat it with the curve up. With the curve up, okay. Curve up. I'm always eating it with the curve up. Yes, but everybody does. We put the curved part in our mouth and eat it like that, right? That's correct. Okay. So that's what they say there. Um, the, um, uh, you know, and it's because we're lazy. You know, it's less chewing if the curve is right on your tongue. You know, we don't have to chew as much. I think that's sure. it. So what this guy says, you're actually supposed to eat it like this, like a saddle with the curve um, in the opposite oh. direction. Okay. And the reason why... Um, you know, the other way looks cool. Uh, I think, you know, they said, you know, if, if you, you can possibly look cool eating Pringles. Um, <clears throat> but the reason why is because the coating, if you're eating a uh, flavored Pringle, like the barbecue flavor, I guess, would be one or sour cream and onion. The flavoring is on that side. So that's that you want the flavoring pressing down on your tongue. And that way you get more of the flavor of the Pringle, assuming that's why you're eating it. <laughs> this is very scientific. <laughs> Wait, I think there's one more photo here. Ah, there we go. Most of the seasoning on all Pringles is on the top side. Um, so uh, according to this guy, um, oh, also he says you should rub your finger on that side and and make sure that you're eating the right you're putting the right side down on your tongue oh my um, gosh i know i know i saw john doing that i thought he was caressing the pringle and talking to it because he loved them so much <laughs> well, <laughs> i'm not looking very good in this whole discussion oh no, you're not oh no no it, it, it all started when you told me that you like pringle the um <laughs> oh i do like yes, i do yes i do now yeah. let me ask you this john do you lick the coating off if you get the barbecue or sour cream or garlic, do you lick the, do you ever do that? Confidently, I can tell you, Paul, Karen and audience, I have never done that. Never done that. Okay. Cause they said some people uh, lick it off first and and I would say, yeah, get a life. Uh, <laughs> because there's no natural ingredients in a Pringle, either in the coating nor in the Pringle itself. It's less than 40% potato and the, and the um, coating is riboflavin and, Carnuba wax and all that, and red dye number seven, and all that other stuff that you really don't eat. There's no flavoring. There's no natural flavor at all, and no natural part of a of a Pringle whatsoever, except for the forty percent uh, dried potato flakes. 
Mr. Potato Head has more potato in him than uh, than a Pringle does. <laughs> oh my tater god! Tots. Tater tots have more potato in them than a Pringle, and they're not even allowed to be called potatoes because they have so little potatoes in them. That's why they're called taters. Um, yeah, half you know word. What, it's almost like a half word, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, Karen, I, I saw some tater tots that were made especially for for the Jewish holidays. They were called latke nuggets. Uh, <laughs> Good one. Wow. Do I have? I, I forgot to take my horn out. I, oh, let's see where it is here somewhere. Did that oh, come? Ah, we can. There we it. go. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Yeah, <laughs> John. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm surprised you didn't call for it already. The um, okay. So so there's all the information that you ever wanted to know and were afraid to ask about how to eat a Pringle, John. So uh, okay. well, yeah. I know it's an, our show is educational as well as entertaining. So this is <laughs> very very well put. I'm I'm guessing you have a few in the in the cupboard upstairs. So uh, right um, after the show, John's going to run up and test this theory out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, okay. let's, let, let, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay, we're moving on to India, where a lady by the name of Smita Srivastava. Whoa, boy, and that's the last time I'm going to pronounce that. She's 46 years old, very, very lovely lady. She has not cut her hair since the age of 14, which leaves her looking like this. Oh, my God. Uh, her hair, yeah, her hair is now seven feet nine inches long and as you can see she's holding a um, certificate from the guinness world records people stating that she has the record for the living the longest hair on a living person seven feet nine inches long according to her husband she also holds the world record for the longest time to get ready to go out I can imagine. <laughs> yep that would stand the reason that would right that's right. Seven feet, seven feet worth of hair. Karen, can you even imagine having to take care of that much hair? You know, this morning I was looking in the mirror thinking that my hair was too heavy. Maybe yeah. I should get a cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, this lady, she, she, you know what kind of shampoo she uses to clean it? She uses um, <laughs> head and shoulders and feet. Yes. The, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> it, oh, it's piled up around her feet down there. When she wants to put it in a ponytail, she has to use the bungee cord. That's how long it is. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. She walks past hair salons, and they turn their lights off because they're afraid she's going to come in for a shampoo. And, it'll, <laughs> you know, for 20 bucks. Yeah, we're not doing that for 20 bucks, lady. No. Sorry. No. Uh, after, oh, this is true. She said after she shampoos, it takes her two hours to detangle her hair. Even longer if she doesn't scream while she's doing it. Hey, Paul uh, and Karen, I have yeah. a question. Does she have a job? Does she work? <laughs> uh, no, she couldn't. I don't, that's that a good here. question. She's, uh, yeah, she works, she works at a comb factory. She's a tester. I, <laughs> I An appropriate occupation for this lady. Exactly. You know, we have talked about people with long uh, appendages before. And, uh, do you remember the lady with the world's longest fingernails? Yes. They, Yes. Yeah, she had a job. It, it, I, I know it wasn't using a phone where she had to press the the, the numbers every day, but she had a she had she had a job. So I'm sure this lady has a job. Wow. Uh, but she says she says, and I quote, "I will never cut my hair because because my life is in my hair." John, I I know you remember those days, don't you? When you said things like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just try. I just try to limit those. I try to limit those now because I, I mean it's going to come back to haunt me. I mean, uh, but right. no, sure. I mean, we all said foolish things years ago. I'm and, right there and, with and, you. That's right. <clears throat> you wake up. You wake up one morning. You say, you, you know, hair is your life. You wake up one morning and you find out that hair is not your life. The shower drain is where your life is now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking oh. of heads, let's move on. The uh, every year, oh boy, this is this is one I couldn't wait to get to this one. Every year on November 29th, so we just missed it. People in the Netherlands uh, celebrate. They put pancakes on their head to celebrate the feast of Saint Pancake. And here's a photo oh of a family God. with pancakes on their head and and, a, and another pile of pancakes on the table and syrup, obviously. And their thumbs up, smiles on their faces. 
they are celebrating the feast of St. Pancake. John, I, have you ever heard of the, of St. Pancake? I'm going to say never have, not at all. Uh, no. Have no. you ever put a pancake on your head? I can confidently say that I have never done that either. Not even on a cold day when you couldn't find your hat? Uh, you know, I maybe the thought crossed my mind, but I never, never went, never had a go to that extent to do that. So I'm going to say uh, no. Well, here's the story: in the 12th century, monks at a local monastery in the Netherlands were celebrating a young monk's birthday, and they were eating pancakes. But there was only enough for one for each of them. Now, when the old abbot who was the, who was there became cold, the young monk whose birthday it was gave up his hot pancake and put it on the old monk's pancake uh, on the old monk's head to warm him up and all the other monks looked up to the sky and an angel came down and the angel was holding a frying pan hand took the the pancake from the old monk's head flipped it up and flipped it back onto the plate of the young monk and they all the older monks said it's a miracle and they called him saint pancake for every day after that and that's where the celebration started how about that that's quite wow, a that was a lot of research yeah yeah does it does it sound like it's true no no <laughs> yeah i'm with karen on this one though i think that's <laughs> sounds like bluff the co-host as a matter of fact uh, it it's completely false. It was it was made by this guy. Oh, here's here's some more people. Look, look at all these people putting pancakes on their head. Now that particular photo down in the corner. I'm going to put another one up here. Uh, that is a cartoon. And in 1987, a famous cartoonist in the Netherlands put this in one of his cartoon strips in the in the newspaper about oh. Saint Pancake. And he and he drew the, the photo and he told the story. And it this this cartoon was so popular that people started putting pancakes on their heads and it became a holiday, an official holiday in the Netherlands, November wow. 29th. So if you want to celebrate, if you're even if you're not Dutch, uh, every November 29th, go down to your favorite pancake place and put a pancake on your head. No, and I think they the don't throw you out. You can eat the pancake. Right. Uh, we can all go to the, uh, There we go. Yeah, right. The, sure. The... Sure. <laughs> oh my hey, god. Let me, let me, uh, place here. Oh, so so what did I did I say it was totally made up? Yes. Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay. So not like um uh or or similar to Festivus. Now Festivus was the uh, festival uh from. The Seinfeld show, which is celebrated on December 23rd, when you put up a, an aluminum pole with no branches on it, and you have the airing of grievances, and, and you display feats of strength. That's uh, completely made up. And from the day that, that Seinfeld showed that episode, people have celebrated Festivus from then on. Yep. Now, John, did, you, did your family growing up celebrate St. Nicholas Day? Well, St. Nicholas Day, isn't it like... Isn't it like right around now? Like December? Is it? Today. It is today, right? The sixth or the seventh or something like that, right? So that's my understanding of it. Wow. So Saint Nicholas is is if you, if you say Saint Nicholas fast, it sounds like Santa Claus. And the legend is that <laughs> no, seriously, and the, the legend is that uh, this this gentleman in in he lived in like in the three hundreds uh, was a, I think he was a bishop. And um, uh, he's the he, uh, he used to give gifts to people. He's the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried people, and students. So he's quite a you know he's, he has quite a lot of fans. Um, the uh, the the day is celebrated. His day is celebrated on um, December sixth, which I believe is the day he died. Uh, but he is said to have rescued three girls. From being forced into prostitution by dropping a sack of gold coins through the window of their house every night for three nights so that their father could pay a dowry for each one of them. So that's where he got his reputation for giving gifts. Uh, now, uh, when, when I was a kid, we used to put our shoes out. Um, and we did, the tree wasn't up yet, but you would put your shoe, shoes out by your door, your bedroom door. And the next morning we would have oranges in the shoes if you were good and coal if you were bad. Um, the orange was, a sim was symbolic of the gold because orange is kind of goldish. Mm -hmm. 
We <laughs> thanks for thanks for for uh, uh, nodding your head on that one, John. An uh, orange in your shoe? I wouldn't want to eat shoe. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I do. But it's God. family stuff, though, Karen. It's family yeah. stuff, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so a better thing, and I learned this a few years ago. A better thing would have been pickles rather than oranges. It turns out. There's a story about St. Nicholas that they don't tell, but it is famous in many parts of the world as the orange, the, the gold story. Uh, it tells how um, three boys, three young boys who were murdered and pickled in pickle brine and put in a, in a barrel by a butcher, by an evil butcher who was planning to cut them up and sell them for food in his butcher shop. St. Nicholas heard about this and he went to the butcher shop and opened the pickle barrel and removed the, the, the boys and brought them back to life. So, you know, obviously a much more morbid story than selling girls into prostitution. Not much more morbid, but close enough, uh, which is why well, that one never got picked up. Um, well, there's a lot of lore to those stories, obviously. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of these things have a, 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 a small amount of truth to them, yeah. which we right blow way out of proportion in order to make money selling stuff on there on the holiday. So happy St. <laughs> Nicholas Day, by the way. Sure. Uh, okay. So here's another feat. Uh, this is from uh, Brazil. Uh, saint, uh, the, the, she's not a saint yet. Her name is Helena Pereira de Santos. Uh, she lives in Brazil. She just celebrated her 115th birthday. Here's a photo of the, uh, the lovely okay. lady. Um, she claims her secret to living a long life of 115 years is that she eats plenty of beans. <laughs> now, okay. you know why that is, Karen? Because, why? <laughs> because Saint, she heard that St. Peter hates farts. So he's <laughs> never going to call her up to the gate because she's going to be standing there waiting to get in farting, and he's not going to want to let her in. So she just keeps on, um, you know, he sends her back down and she keeps on eating beans. 115 years old. She wow. uh, still goes walking every day. I, you notice in this picture, she is standing. She's not yeah. sitting in. Right. She is standing. Yeah. She goes walking every day. She goes shopping with her granddaughter. She's the reason they obviously they keep that one mall open in Brazil that nobody else goes to because they like to see her, you know, 115 years old. When she dies, that's it. She's the last shop mall shopper in existence. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Born in 1908. 1908. Wow. Wow. She was four, four years old when the Titanic sank. Mm -hmm. um, right. Which is another way. You know, not only does she eat plenty of beans, she's plenty of Navy beans because, yeah. you know, that, that affected her. And she also wants to be prepared if, if she's on a boat and it starts to sink. Um, <laughs> Baby beans give you special farts that allow you to, to be buoyant when you're when you're in the water. <laughs> never thought you about that. At all. <laughs> never thought about that at all. <laughs> you never knew that, did you, John? I you learned so many that. things no. I, <laughs> in the world. I can't believe it. Okay, so so we've got some holiday gift uh, advice here. So first one comes from Japan, and I put this on Facebook. If you got if if you like these stories, I post uh, some of them on Facebook and give you a head start on what we might be talking about this week. The hot new Christmas gift from Japan. Get a load of this. This is the banana hammer. Uh, that is a, a photo of a hand holding a golden banana, pounding a nail into a piece of wood. Uh, this comes from the Iron Factory Aikida in Japan. Uh, it's a steel hammer, painted gold, comes in regular and mini sizes. I think I have a mini size. Uh, there's a. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I'll go back to that photo in a second. Comes in regular and mini sizes, pounds nails just like conventional hammers, and works in extreme environments, including up to a thousand degrees uh, Celsius, oh, which is really hot. Who pounds nails when it's a thousand degrees Celsius? <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not very common. <laughs> By then, you should be running for a, a cold shower. Uh, so really? they sell them in these little boxes with with they actually put little labels, little banana labels on them, just like the bananas you buy at the store. Um, 
which which I think you you know has got to be confusing to people. I know dentists are already clearing off their calendars after seeing this because they know carpenters, nearsighted carpenters are going to be reaching into their toolbox, grab the wrong banana, and they'll be coming in. Oh, with oh my! Yeah, yeah, molded, molded, yeah, molded from uh, the um, uh, molds made using real Philippine bananas. Uh, Philippine sweet banana, which is what they like in Japan. The uh, you can see the, on the stems, they even duplicate the uneven skin and the little yes. nubs. Oh, on the it's very yeah. detailed. Very detailed. Yeah, yeah, it has a barcode. Um, so, so I, you know, I'm guessing kids in Japan are seeing this and they're thinking, I know what we're gonna do. So they start spray painting real bananas. And then they with the gold paint, and then they give it to poor dad, and they say, "Hey, dad, we got you a banana hammer." For you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Wow. You know, so so they said you can use it as a hammer, you can use it as a paperweight. Who uses paperweights anymore? I haven't seen or heard of anyone using paperweights in 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 years, if not decades. The only reason that I would use a paperweight is to throw it against the wall so I don't throw my phone against the wall. And, you know, that's and an angle, of course. That's an angle. It's going to cost a thousand bucks instead of, you know, use a throw a, a, a paperweight. Uh, but I, the um, my idea, though, let's let's put the gold one back up here while we while we're talking about that. Here's my idea. My idea is to take these one of these gold hammers to the zoo. And take it over to the um, the chimpanzee section. The, <laughs> they'll, they'll think you're oh Willy Wonka. Oh my God! The, he's got the gold banana. That means we all get to go to the banana pl uh, plant. <laughs> <laughs> Free bananas for life. Oh my gosh! Willy Wonka and the Golden Banana coming oh soon to a theater near you, or maybe on Netflix. We'll see. Whoever pays us more money. Uh, <laughs> And we know who that's going to be. Neither one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. This yeah. was also very popular on uh, Facebook this week. And another, this is a gift that you don't want to get. Man in China was sitting on his smart toilet. And we're going to talk about smart toilets in a second here. Uh, he's sitting on his smart toilet when he smelled something unusual uh, for, for a bathroom, something burning, which was followed by smoke pouring out of the commode, which was followed by him jumping up just in time to see his smart toilet burst into flames. There's a picture of the smart toilet. Oh, on... no. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, Something's not right with that picture. Nothing, <laughs> you know, well, look at his pants. He, he, he jumped up so fast, he left his pants still on the, on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Janitors at, at uh, Taco Bell are saying, well, we see that all the time. But apparently, <laughs> Japan, this is pretty unusual. China, I'm sorry, China. Firefighters have seen this before. They call that a number two alarm fire. Oh, uh, oh where's the horn? Where's that horn? Get that horn. There you go. All right. Very good. Very the good. man was not injured, but he's so terrified uh, uh, that um, he was seen following a bear into the woods. So he's never sitting on a toilet. <laughs> You're on this steam, Paul, obviously. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Rumor has it, John, that his wife, his wife was trying to program the the uh, the toilet, and she did this to him uh, because she was trying to program it to remind him to to put the toilet paper the right way on the roll. Well, uh, yeah, you know, there you got to follow the line. You got to got to follow the program and toe the line. Yeah, sure. That's right. That would be a smart toilet. Another another. It, I, I wouldn't. I, these things cost thousands of dollars, but. If I could get one that read to me while I was in the bathroom, then I wouldn't have to take the newspaper in. I could just sit there and lean back and have it tell me a story. Um, I find the, it uh, hard to believe, in a way, that Paul and Karen, that no one's ever come up with that type of invention. I, <laughs> John, I, we're going to work on it, John, when we're done with the show. <laughs> it sounds like another project for me to to look at. Then, all right, yes, there you go. That's right. That's right. There, there may be a sport in here too. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I heard about these. I did some research on these smart toilets. There was one that was so smart. <laughs> How smart was it? It went on strike when it found out it was going to be installed in a Taco Bell. Oh, a <laughs> oh my, my. That's a smart toilet for you. Okay. I said we were going to be talking about food today. Here's some more food stories. So this comes from the Kraft Heinz company. Kraft Heinz announced that it's bringing the Kraft 
not mac and cheese to the United States. It, they've been testing it in Australia, and those poor people couldn't wait to get rid of it. So now they're bringing it to the United States. It's vegan mac and cheese. And you can see, here's a box of it, vegan certified. It says dairy-free on it. No artificial flavors or colors. I find that hard to believe. Um, but it's flavored uh, with, they replaced the cheese with fava bean protein and coconut oil powder. And Kraft promises that it has the same creamy texture and flavor as the original Kraft mac and cheese. Well, I have think... to ask our vegan friends to try it. Really? Well, oh. I asked my vegan friends. Well, I don't know. Try. I haven't tried it. But but this sounds like the perfect thing to wash down with that can of empty Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be quite a meal you have there. Oh, That's yeah. There you go, bad. John. No cheese, no no cheese, yeah, no, right, exactly. no macaroni, and no Coke. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no cheese, no. They should... They it probably has vegan riboflavin and vegan vegan um, carnauba wax in it. Right, like uh, you mentioned about the other story. Right, wow. That's right, yeah. Uh, and why fava beans? You know, people of our age, all I have to hear is fava beans, and the first thing I think of is Silence of the Lambs. I'd be eating anything that makes me uh, attractive to um, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, I agree with you, Paul. Anytime I hear that phrase or hear that hear the words fava beans, I immediately go to that movie. Exactly. Yeah, I have uh, recipes um, when I when I when I cook that call for fava beans, and I had to look it up. And I just and I I said, what can I substitute instead of fava beans? So I use navy beans and lima beans, anything but fava beans. I just can't I can't mm -hmm. get that image out of my head. Uh, okay, you. here's another one for you. Uh, hot new breakfast cereal from England is called Calf Crunch, that's C-A-F-F, Crunch. It's the first cereal that is flavored like a traditional English breakfast with pieces that taste like, get ready for this, bacon, eggs, sausage, tomato, mushroom, and toast. Now, there's a traditional English breakfast in the photo here. You can see uh, there's also some... Uh, um, potato pancakes there or, or uh, hash browns i think uh and beans and uh on the on the left hand side are the cereal equivalent of all the stuff that's on that plate john would you uh taste that you know i think i would be a little daring to taste the cereal yeah i would try that i would, that yeah, would give yeah. It yeah yeah i would well i i've had many uh, an english breakfast and um uh, for the fun, most people don't eat them just for fun. They eat them after a hard night of partying. So, for the full effect, you need to add grease to the cereal and maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Put a, put a couple of aspirins in there for your hangover, and then it has the full effect of a full English breakfast. Wait a minute, um, those are aspirins in the cereal? No, there's not. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> no, those are little eggs. Just checking. <laughs> I was just checking on that. Just checking. Okay. Those are little eggs, yeah. Very, very uh, lifelike little tiny uh, sunny side up eggs, by the oh. way. The $2 a serving for uh, for a bowl of that um, cap crunch, which is cheaper than a real full English breakfast. Um, so you can use the money you save if you save up enough, you you know, for your heart doctor. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> you're going to have the same problem. Uh, there's no milk in a full English breakfast, by the way. Uh, you can see there's either coffee or tea or a Bloody Mary. Um, <laughs> Wait, a minute. Wait a minute. Is the, is the dry cereal in milk, though, also, or no? Or is it your I can't eating? tell from that photo. It. I think the instructions say add milk. I don't think okay. they say add, well, add I would hope so. Yeah. Or maybe gravy or uh, a can of Van... Uh, what are those, uh, the, the, the brand? Van Camp's Pork and Beans, I think, are the ones they have okay. in. Uh, wow. All right. Yeah. So they said, calf crunch can be prepared in just seconds. Able to be enjoyed whilst writing emails at your desk or in between jobs on a construction site. That's what it says <laughs> on the top. Yeah. Oh, my. Let me tell you. 
If you're eating a bowl of this stuff at a construction site, you don't understand the concept of full English breakfast, nor do you understand the concept of being a construction worker. I agree with you on that, Paul. That's a good point you just brought up. They don't eat bowls of cereal. No, not not while they're sitting on it on a on an iron girder or or building something. Yeah. Okay. So now one more food story here. KFC Japan is launching uh, something they call the Niniku Crispy which they claim is specifically seasoned to taste great when eaten with beer and other alcoholic beverages. It has in it, there's a photo of it there, extra garlic, soy sauce flavoring, and garlic flavored oil sauce that is supposed to make it tastier for drinking with beer and alcoholic beverages. Now, customers in the United States who go to KFC say, say KFC already has something on the menu that goes really well with with beer and alcoholic beverages and that is everything on the menu really really. no i agree with you on that paul yeah yeah no you don't need to make a choice every single thing even the coleslaw goes good with uh the tastiest part a lot of people posted on my facebook page when i put this up and they said the tastiest part of kfc these days is the, the the greasy wrapper that it comes in um Mm-hmm. which is kind of sad you know the kfc used to be a great dinner um yeah so, i agree i i think that uh sometimes it leaves something to be desired not all the time but but not all the time it does. Right. yes so yeah. so yeah. they you can see in this photo that the the chicken in, in kfc chicken in japan comes in a bucket uh, everybody when you think of kfc you naturally think of the bucket you know where the bucket really the idea for it came from it came from colonel sanders himself and pete hartman who was his first franchise manager so he ran the first restaurant that wasn't run by colonel sanders uh, in 1957 colonel sanders got a deal wherever he lived somebody uh, sold him 500 paper buckets for next to nothing so he's trying to figure out what to do with them. So he calls up Pete and he says, hey, Pete, can you use 500 empty buckets? And Pete says, you know, this is he's talking to Colonel Sanders. He's not going to say no. He says, sure, we'll put the chicken in them. And it was so popular that um, uh, he couldn't he, he had to go buy some more because people wanted a bucket of chicken. Uh, mm-hmm. It came with the original bucket, 14 pieces of chicken, five rolls and a pint of gravy. That was what that was what was served. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. How about that? So, so there's the origin of the bucket of chicken. Um, one more food. I thought I had. I was done with food stories. I got one more here. Let's see how are we doing. Oh, I, I want to talk about the words. So, um, Virgin Atlantic, uh, big big uh, uh, airplane uh, company in uh, uh, England, flew a Boeing seven eighty seven from London Heathrow to New York's JFK Airport, powered one hundred percent powered by 100% sustainable aviation fuel made of used cooking oil and plant-based products. Here they are loading it up there. And it says right there, sustainable aviation fuel <laughs> made. I think I can't quite read it. I think it says no oil at all. The, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's made with, with, with cooking oil. Um, they tried to keep it a secret. But passengers suspected there was something up because they're they're on the plane. They look out the window and all the planes behind them had their windows open, trying to smell the air coming out of their fuselage there. Oh, my. Yeah. And, John, you could spot this plane from the ground because the contrails all look like French fries. So (laughs) that would be that would be different, Paul. That would be. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the flight attendant, the poor flight attendants, especially in the back, they said the people in the back of the plane were licking the windows, you know, it was the, the, <laughs> coming through. To me, this isn't a bad idea if you're if you're in one of those seats by the toilets, you know, you have something to smell besides whatever it is that's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, I know. This is I know. more information than we need to have, I think, right now. I know. <laughs> okay. One more thing, and I don't have a photo to go with this. I'm going to, I'm going to just, uh, let's see. No, I better not do that. Um, so uh, the, the this came out this week. The Oxford English Dictionary came out with the word for the year 2023. And that word is Riz. Now, Karen, I know I, I got a comment from Karen about uh, what, what the heck is a Riz. Um, it's not something you take. Uh, it, it's, a, it's short for charisma. 
and it's what the Gen Z kids are calling uh, a person who has um, charm or attractiveness. Instead of saying they have charisma, they have riz. So for example, John, John has riz. Karen has riz. Um, I'm not going to say what I have. Somebody else can say that, but it's probably. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and these poor Gen Z kids, you know, when they when they heard about this, the first thing they had to do was look up the word dictionary because what the heck is a dictionary? Nobody knows what a dictionary is anyway. Right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Other words that were up for for uh, the, the 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 grand prize: Swifty, which everybody knows is a follower of Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. de influencing, which is uh, if if you're an influencer and you don't want to be an influencer anymore, you de influence. Uh, beige flag, which is uh, which you hoist if you say your partner is is boring, a prompt, which is a an instruction for an AI program, a heat dome, which is something that that has to do with climate change. But these were all big big uh, words in 2023, but not as big as uh, Riz. Parasocial, parasocial relationships are one sided relationships where. One person extends emotional energy, interest, and time. The other party is completely unaware of the other's existence, which to me, that word is high school dating when the other person <laughs> completely <laughs> uninterested in you. Right, John? Yeah, you remember those days. And last but not least, situation, situationship, which is a romantic relationship that lacks commitment and the associated norms and expectation, which to me should be called dating in college, because <laughs> that's what you had. You got something there, no Paul. Commitment. You got something with those two. Yeah, yeah. Low, no commitment, no, you know, lack of any kind of relationship. Basically, uh, you know, uh, friend, right, right. just, just wow. friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we've uh, we've reached the end of the food portion of our show, and that means it's time for. Um, there we go. What in the world of sports with John Danello? Uh, so every week, John, you know, John, I've known John for so many years. Uh, when I, he, he's, he knows more about sports than anybody I know. He's always got a great uh, sports tale or sports uh, outfit on this. So, so I ask him, John, find us a sport that no one has ever heard of that fits in with the theme of what in the world. And every week, John manages to find one. And each week, it seems like he tops us with, a, with another unusual sport. Where do you hear the weird sport he's got this week? John, why don't you get to it? And I will get your photos ready. Oh, that sounds good, Paul. And uh, quite an introduction there for me. I appreciate that. So, uh, audience, it is a safe bet that our sport this week is one that you probably never heard of. The complete name for the sport is, listen closely, Sport Gomihorai. That's bad Japanese, but those in the know, they call this Spogomi. Spogomi. Okay. 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 So, right. Now, this sport originates from Japan. And get ready for this, translates to a sport picking up trash. Whoa. <laughs> None of our kids play that game. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, look, Aaron, and Paul and audience, I mean, it's very, very odd. So it fits our oh, mode. Oh, okay, tell us more about Spogomi, John. So, so what Spogomi is, it's a sport in which teams actually collect garbage and litter. <laughs> within a specific time limit, and in a particular geographic area. The sport was invented in 2008 and has been growing ever since. The first Spogomi World Championship Cup was just held last month in November of this year, and believe it or not, the cup was won by a team from Great Britain. Wow. There you go. Look at that logo. This looks like it was televised. This is this is a great uh, logo of the World Cup 2023. Garbage picking is the sport. Yeah. All right. Keep going, John. So, yeah. So, 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 again, to educate everyone here, Spogomi is a sport that all of us can compete in. The rules are very simple. Teams of three players each have a total of one hour to pick up any rubbish that is found 
in the designated playing area. Then they have 20 minutes to correctly sort out the rubbish. And this is very important because you can collect the trash, but you've got to separate it. Ooh, now, wow. there's other rules. Teammates cannot be more than 30 feet apart from each other, and they cannot run. Point. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, let me continue. Points are awarded for both the amount of waste collected and what kind of waste is collected. Now, wait till you hear this. For example, cigarette butts are the items that bring the most points. Oh, wow. Because they're, they're, really they're small, more common, right? Because, yeah. you know, you'll find, you know, cigarette butts everywhere. Now, wow, yeah. Now, teams are also not allowed to collect waste that is already in trash bins. So <laughs> it's it's got to be litter, basically, is what it is. Oh, my and, idea. Okay. And, and, and further, further, there are rubbish collection points, okay, oh, throughout uh, Japan, as it is in most countries, right? You cannot take that trash that is not valid trash and also trash that belongs to someone else if it's like someone's in someone's uh, garbage can that is not acceptable as well oh you can't there get out of go, go to go behind somebody's house and dump right out and start garbage. start rifling out garbage ah. i mean that's not appropriate no <clears throat> wow they're serious about this so, and again, to continue on, teams are they're not allowed to collect waste that is already in trash bins, you know, rubbish collection points, or again, if it belongs to someone else, it's not valid. Now, <clears throat> points can be deducted for incorrect sorting of items, picking up of prohibited, prohibited items, or failure to return within 10 minutes after completing the trash pickup. Wow. So you got to follow the rules. I mean, if you want to win this competition, that's what you have to do. Now, also, if, if teams travel by any other method other than walking or add weight to their trash with any items other than trash, if they display bad sportsmanship or have repeated rules violations, they are in most cases disqualified. You're picking up garbage. What kind of bad sportsmanship can there be? <laughs> well, I mean, I think truth is oh, in the you know, truth, truth is in the eye, or beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Something along those lines. So. But, uh, but let's go into more information for uh, everyone. At the inaugural Spogomi World Cup, teams <laughs> of three from countries as far away as Australia and Brazil. Wow. Scoured the streets of these two cities, and I'm going to mispronounce their names, so bear with me. Shibuya and Omotesando. Oh. Those two cities is where people descended again and had those, uh, you know, people from those other countries. Now, Britain's team, the North Will Rise Again. That's the name of the that's the name of that squad. <laughs> they beat the host Japanese trio into second place by earning. 9,046.1 points for collecting a total of 126.26 pounds of rubbish. Wow. Look, look at it. There, there's crowds. There's, there, there's oh, crowds. Sure. There's fans. They have signs. This is unbelievable. Taryn, unfortunately, there's no association that I can found yet, but I'm sure that'll be in the offing for us. Now, the captain of the American team in this competition said, Japan's famously high standards of hygiene and colonialists made finding rubbish very challenging for them. Wow. I, the, the, I think Japanese culture, right? I think just in general. Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. anyway. So, uh, there's a the winning team, by the way. Oh, wow. Now, Spogomi sounds like a sport that could catch on here in the U.S. because, unfortunately, we have plenty of trash for practicing yeah <laughs> just, just remember just remember this do not dress your team in orange or you could be mistaken for people doing community service oh that's right that's right oh yeah you see them all the time with that those are the people that should be recruited for the next team 
But yeah. they have practical yeah. experience at it. They have practical experience. They might have some speed. They can do it more quickly than other people. And uh, yeah. they can sort yeah. out, they can sort things. So, uh, but to me, again, I, I think this is one of the most weird sports ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like a sounds like a disease. Now, Paul, did we participate in anything like this when we were in college? Spagomi, or, or something that you get at uh, something you get at a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take a I'll take a plate of spagomi. Uh, yeah. the, the handsome looking team here, the British team. Uh, it's a co-ed team, two guys and a girl. Uh, nice little trophy. I hope they got some a cash prize, um, and, and they got some nice medals. So. You know, I was thinking, uh, John, you're right. This is something that, that that could be popular in the United States. We do. We've got plenty of trash. Uh, C- Cleveland could be the the epicenter for spagomi in the United States. Did we ever? Did we ever do anything like this? <laughs> well, you probably every week you. I, I lost, my, I lost my train of thought there. You know, John. <laughs> Because we're going back 50 years here, okay? We're dating ourselves. We're going back 50 years. I knew something looked familiar with this sport. And and as I mentioned before, John and I are fraternity brothers. We go back a long ways. Um, I believe when we were first pledging to get into the fraternity, we competed against other fraternities in a trash-picking competition. So uh, I think what happened, though, is that we got bored fairly quickly. And, and we ended up losing. And as, as if you've seen Animal House, you know that the older members of the fraternity like to pick on the younger members. So that's what they did to John and myself. The older members were so upset about us getting bored and losing the Spagomi trash picking competition at our college that they caught John, there's John, and they put him inside of a trash can. Poor guy. He's, he's, he's uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's it's a very traumatic in. experience. If I remember now, I, I kind of wanted uh, to block that out. I, yeah, you yeah. do look traumatized, but not as traumatized as me because they didn't bother with a, um, with, with a can. They just they stole all of my clothes <laughs> and left <laughs> in a garbage bag. <laughs> oh my lord! Wow. So yeah, I think that that's me or so, or an incredibly accurate facsimile of me in a garbage bag with uh, I don't know if there's anything else on in there. Oh. But Spagomi, that's our sport for the day. Thanks, John, so much for a great sport. Oh, you're welcome, Paul and an audience. It was a lot of fun to do it. Yeah, look for it on a street near you. All right, so that's uh, the end of sports with John Donato. That means it's time for Bluff the Co-host, everybody's favorite weird news show. Uh, Rules are simple. I have three stories very similar to the ones we've been telling. One big difference. Those stories were real. The, the stories in Bluff the Co-host may be real, may be a bluff. It's up to John, Karen, and those of you listening to us or watching us on YouTube to figure it out for yourselves. Wagering is allowed. <clears throat> so, and so is getting a drink of water before you get started. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so here comes the three stories. John and Karen, hands on the buzzer. Let's get right to it. Story number one. This sounds like something which could only happen in Cleveland, but it actually happened in a small town in East Texas where a bank robber told the teller he had a gun in his pocket and showed her the bulge. She thought there was something fishy about it, so she managed to stall the robber just long enough for the police to arrive and arrest him. When they checked out the bulge, they found out that it wasn't a gun at all, but a smoked sausage the robber said he brought from home because he was afraid of guns. The, <coughs> the gun is, <coughs> excuse me, the gun is now in the police evidence box and the man was charged with attempted bank robbery and carrying a concealed sausage. Okay, so the man who tried to rob a bank in East Texas with a smoked sausage in his pocket instead of a gun. People in Cleveland know what that reminds them of. We'll talk about that in a second. Karen, what do you say, real or bluff? Well, you know, I hate to say this because my son lives in Texas. He oh. thinks he's the only person who doesn't carry a gun. So <laughs> maybe I'm going to say this is a bluff because oh. he would okay. probably be carrying a gun. And when he watches the show, yeah. No, so now he'll be carrying a sausage. 
Right. Okay. Exactly. So, <laughs> he'll fit in, kind of. Okay. Right. So Karen says that's a bluff. John, how about you? Kilbasi kid that you are. Well, real you know I'm, I'm going to go a different route on this. I'm going to say it's real. And I, I'm going to have a couple of quick logic points here. First of all, I don't know how smart you are to be able to try to rob a bank in the first place. <laughs> that's the first, that's the first thing. And the second is um, if you're that harebrained to go into a bank to try to t take money out of it in a robbery uh, and you're afraid of guns, uh, I, I guess the smoke sausage would be a substitute. So I'm going to say it's true. I'm going to say it's a true story. That says it's true. You can't shoot yourself in the foot with a with a smoke. Definitely sausage. not. Definitely not. And that's from the that's from Big Truck and Little John, and uh, I believe Gulardi as well, the Kilbasi kid. Kilbasi so, kid. All right. So John says the Kilbasi kid is real in East Texas. Karen says it's a bluff. Let's check with the judges. The judges say congratulations, Karen. Wow, that is a bluff. <laughs> oh. Like, How about that? Oh boy, John. John wow. Karen's so. off and running here, so now I get yeah. to get like yeah. for yeah. the uh, congestion. Okay. Let me, good job, Karen. Uh, yeah, yeah, good job. Okay. All right. So uh, that means Karen's ahead one to nothing. Uh, let's get right to story number two. Electric car makers are having a tough time competing with Tesla. So they've begun offering options that set them apart from the big T. A startup company in Sweden founded by former Volvo employees think it has a solution for commuters who want to eat something hot but healthy on the way to work. Their new small electric car has an electric toaster built into the console. The toaster can, can accommodate bread, bagels, waffles, and toaster pastries and comes with holders for jelly, syrup, and whipped butter. The holders are wide enough for dipping so the driver doesn't have to spread while steering. The new car is equipped with an accident avoidance system, which can temporarily take over the steering immediately after the toast pops up. The electric <laughs> car toaster adds $2,000 to the price, but owners of the car say it's the best thing since buttered bread. All right, real or bluff, the buttered, the uh, electric car in Sweden with a built-in toaster. What do you say, John? I'm going to say that's a bluff. Given the emphasis on safety in automobiles in any country in the world, right? How safe is it if you're traveling alone and then you're going to be popping a bagel or popping pop toast into the, into the toaster oven in your car and then you're going to be eating it while you're driving? I mean... I, I'm I'm praying for the safety of the public, of, of public everywhere, that this is a bluff. Okay, John says it's a bluff. By the way, I've seen people do plenty of other more acrobatic things than using a toaster. <laughs> oh, I agree. Uh, I, 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 no, I'm, with, I'm with you on that, for sure. I'm with you on that 100%, Paul. Sure. <clears throat> okay, John says it's a bluff. Karen, how about you? Um, I'm hoping it's a bluff, because if it's real... Um, I'm not a happy camper. Okay. The toaster Volvo is a bluff. Karen and John both say it's a bluff. Let's check with the judges. And the judges say congratulations to both of you. That is a bluff. All Karen, right. Karen is, Karen, is, Karen is perfect right now. Karen is, uh, is perfect. Two right. Two. That's right. John's coming up fast, though. And points are doubled in round number three. So um, let's get right to it then. A kangaroo escaped from a zoo in Toronto recently and was on the loose for a week before it was spotted on a farm north of the city. The owner of the farm managed, managed to corner the kangaroo and keep it occupied until police arrived. The police called the zoo, and the kangaroo expert told them the best way to catch it was to grab the animal by the tail. When they did that, the kangaroo turned around and began punching the cops in the face. <clears throat> Fortunately for the kangaroo, they grabbed their zip ties instead of their guns and managed to tie its arms and then its legs. The kangaroo was returned to the zoo where it is awaiting trial for resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. Okay, the kangaroo that punched out police officers in Toronto. Real or bluff? Karen, we'll go back to you. <clears throat> um, as weird as it sounds, I'm going to go real. 
weird but real. It's so weird it must be real. That's the old rules of the show. Okay, all right. So Karen says it's real. John, how about you? You know, I'm going to say it's real too, but I'm I'm saying it with a little bit of a, a caveat here because don't kangaroos have limbs that are short? They don't have like long limbs, do they? I mean, their legs are somewhat, but I always thought like their front paws or whatever are short. So I don't know how much strength they can really, you know, provide, but I'm just going to say for argument's sake, it's true. And they, okay. were, they were punching the police officers, but not in <laughs> favor, right. by the way. I'm going to go on record to say that. Not in favor of punching the police officer. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. that when none of us are in favor of punching police officers. But kangaroos probably aren't either, but this one was cornered. So John, says it, John said it was real. Karen said it was real, right? Yeah. Check with the judges, and the judges say congratulations to both of you. That is a real story, and congratulations to Karen. She wins wow. this week. Left the co-host. My and losing John, streak is over. Your losing Karen, streak, Karen. You're perfect. I, I think that you should celebrate this evening with Rich. I think, right? I mean, you know, you're three and zero. Nice, nicely done. Yeah. Um, I'll let John, you call him and suggest it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. The um, on the subject of boxing kangaroos, that is a real thing. Um, what they do, yeah, they do have smaller uh, upper arms than lower legs. And uh, but the, what they do is they get close to you. They they get their chest close, and they really do box. <clears throat> Normally they box other kangaroos, but uh, in this case they actually were slapping the cops around. <laughs> I can't believe that the cops actually put zip ties around those giant legs. I can't believe that the expert told them to grab the kangaroo by the tail. Yeah, who's I mean, the, was, who's that expert? Who, where, yeah, where's I know, I know. It's, 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 I it's, know. It was too funny, so I said, "This is." That's an empirical story. It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so we are at the end of Bluff the Co-host. again. Congratulations, congratulations to Karen, and that means we're at the end of this week's episode of What in the World on Wednesday rather than Tuesday. We will be back on Tuesday next week. We hope all of you join us as well. I want to thank Karen, our media mogul, uh, head of nuclearradio.net, sponsor with Yes I Can, um, an all-around great person. Please visit nuclearradio.net, check out our podcast, how to download it, and then all of the other great podcasts Karen has. And they're unbelievably good podcasts. And she's a great coach as well. Um, very good, so, very good. Thank you to my old buddy, John Dinalo, uh, for coming to the show, plus the, the, uh, uh, for, for, for everything you do. <laughs> commentary. Paul, the word is commentary. The word is... Paul. I think I'm still blurry from those eye drops. And most importantly, I want to thank everybody out there for listening to us, watching us, whatever it is you do, however you partake of what in the world, we appreciate you. Without you, we wouldn't be doing this. We hope that you have as much fun listening to the show as we do putting it out every week. Um, and on that note, um, I think it's time for us to go. I got to get back to work on next week's show. And uh, let's see, no big holidays coming up this week, but they're coming up soon. So Get your shopping done, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. everybody.